Hi friends, welcome to Preacher, a podcast designed around the reality that many of our churches are shrinking because we haven't created a place where everyone can belong. So if you're seeing that reality in your own church, or you've experienced that and left the church, this podcast is for you. Welcome. I'm your host, Jen Hale Christie, and this is season four. We have a wonderfully supportive and encouraging Patreon community. Sarah, Lauren, Dave, Mark, Sheila, and Tom, I thank the world of you all, and I thank our God every time I remember you. If you are a listener who hasn't yet joined our Patreon community or you're wondering what in the world it is, now is a great time and you can join with a support level as low as just $3 a month. Your support keeps this good work going, so thank you so much. Links are in the show notes. Friends, we are living in a truly remarkable time. Never before has the future seemed so uncertain. And what better time to be dwelling in the book of Acts among a people who were living in unprecedented times. May we find ourselves in these stories as we find ourselves in God's story. We're looking at Acts chapter 9 verses 31 through 43. All right, as we get started, I want to remember where we left off last week. So we just witnessed Saul, number one persecutor of the church. We saw him become blinded and then convert to faith in Christ. He receives mm, hesitant acceptance among the apostles, but then he's sent away to Tarsus because people are trying to kill him. Makes sense. Our text for today comes right after that. Okay, so this is from Acts chapter 9, verses 31 to 43. Here we go. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please, come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. The Word of the Lord That last part about Peter staying with a tanner is really significant. Try to hang on to it, tuck it back there in your memory, because we're going to come back to that next week. Okay, so our passage begins with a summary statement, which is Luke's way of signaling to us that this is a transition. 
We remember that in the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, the early church has been growing in leaps and bounds. There were healings and mass conversions and all the things. But they were hunkered down in Jerusalem, and the stoning of Stephen was the beginning of such fierce persecution that it drove the believers out of Jerusalem and into Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Philip goes to Samaria and has encounters with Simon the magician and the Ethiopian eunuch. Paul is sent to Caesarea and then Tarsus, and now Peter is off to Lydda and Joppa. Luke says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So he's like quickly bringing us up to speed on some unknown period of time so that he can slow down and unfold an important story before our eyes and ears. So he wants to tell us some more about this guy named Peter. In this story, Peter is characterized as a missionary, really. He's traveling around to visit these newly planted churches. He's probably not the one who founded them, and we actually don't get to hear about how or when or by whom they were founded. But Luke wants to make sure that we know it's Peter who is going around supporting and encouraging them. He wants us to know that Peter is an important figure perhaps one of the most important figures in the life and leadership of the early church. Not only is he the guy who visits the churches to see how things are going and encourage them, he's also the guy who looks like Jesus. He's depicted as really walking in the footsteps of Jesus, who also walked in the footsteps of Elijah and Elisha. So way back hundreds of years earlier, Elijah and Elisha both raised boys from the dead. And then we see Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. And these stories about Peter are strong echoes of the Jesus, Elijah, and Elisha stories. So many of the details are the same. So I think that Luke wants us to hear these stories and connect Peter with the long line of prophets who work signs and wonders among the people. So who is Peter? Peter is a prophet. And in case we find ourselves wondering by what power or by what name he performs these healings, Luke makes it crystal clear. It is through the power of Jesus. In the healing of Aeneas, Peter says, Jesus Christ heals you. And in the resurrection of Tabitha, Peter gets down on his knees and prays. And in both instances, I want us to notice the results of the healing. This is like kind of important, but kind of can be overlooked so easily. Okay, so it's not that Aeneas went on to live a long life, free from any pain and immune to any further disability. The text doesn't say that at all. And it's not that Tabitha, now that she's been resurrected from the dead, went on to live forever. I mean, it doesn't tell us that either. We have no reason to assume that that happened. The outcome, what the text does tell us, what Luke wants us to know, what happened as a result of these healings, is that many people come to faith in Christ. That's the point. That's the bigger purpose. That's what these stories have been building towards and what we will continue to see throughout the rest of the book of Acts. The speeches, the miracles, the healings, the persecution, they're all means to an end. Lots of characters are involved, some working for and some trying to work against, but the big purpose is that the whole world would see and hear the good news, would believe and belong, and would turn their lives towards God's kingdom and God's purposes. Okay, shifting gears. I want to go back to one important detail in the story about Tabitha, something we totally skipped right past. Luke tells us that Tabitha died. 
Then he says that the disciples hear that Peter's staying nearby, so they ask him to come immediately. And what grabbed me here is the fact that she already died. I mean, why in the world would they bother asking Peter to come? Remember that story um, that we talked about back a couple seasons ago, the story in the Gospel of Luke, when Jairus was desperately trying to get Jesus to come and heal his daughter. Remember, he came and fell at Jesus's feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his daughter, who's 12, was dying. And Jesus is going on his way, but then there's the woman with the flow of blood who stops him, and there's this whole thing. And then remember that the um, he's delayed, and then the people from Jairus's house come, and they say, you know what? Your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher. But before Jairus can respond, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. So the people from Jairus's household believed all hope was lost when Jairus' daughter died. But here with Tabitha, we see the faith of these disciples. These are believers who have witnessed God's power and are hopeful that something can yet be done. Even though to the untrained eye, to the untrained heart, all hope seems to be lost when Tabitha draws her final breath, yet they have hope. They do not lose heart. And therefore, we do not lose heart. We, too, are witnesses to God's work in our world and God's activity among us. What are we hopeful about? Where do we need healing? Where do we, too, need resurrection? And about what do we expect that something can yet be done? We are people on a journey. We still have places in need of healing, in need of resurrection, And we might have some things that need to be tended to so that we can go forward as a people on mission. Remember that Luke shows us that it's through these moments of healing and resurrection that many come to faith in Christ. And it occurs to me that perhaps as we are hoping to share the love of Jesus, wanting to invite others to get to know Jesus, that perhaps we would do well to start by praying for healing and resurrection in our midst. So, Where do we need resurrection in order to be a witness to the world? I want to invite you to take this moment to consider where you need God's healing and resurrecting work in your life. Maybe it's a physical condition that the doctors can't figure out. Maybe it's financial uncertainty or crisis or instability Maybe it's a relationship that needs mending or a job that needs finding. Maybe it's your broken heart. Maybe it's your faith. Wherever you find yourself in need, may God meet you there. May we be people who are vulnerable about areas in which we need healing and resurrection. May we be people who are open to God's resurrecting work in and through us. May it be so among us, friends. Peace to your home. If today you find yourself on the outside, without a seat at the table or a voice in the conversation, may you lean into the truth that you're always welcome in God's community. If you are one who wears the name minister, pastor, elder, shepherd, or are otherwise known as a faith leader, may you extend God's yes to those you might have said no to in the past. May you be emboldened and encouraged to honor the space that God has already created for all. Let's build bigger tables together. 
If something in you was stirred today, reach out. Hearing from you really does help to shape the future of this podcast. You'll have the greatest impact and opportunities for engagement by joining our Patreon community by clicking that become a patron button on our page, patreon.com slash Jen Hale Christie. And I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook at Jen Hale Christie. Lastly, you would really help others to connect with this work if you would subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next time.